Dr. Michael Roizen. Dr. Michael Roizen. You, the Owner's Manual Radio Show. This is episode 1118B of You, the Owner's Manual Radio Podcast. The B's, always great guests, and we have the potentially great guest today, Jay Baruch, B-A-R-U-C-H. Website is jbaruch.com, B-A-R-U-C-H. Com. His book is The Tornadoes of Life, A Doctor's Journey Through Constraints and Creativity in the ER. Much different than what you might expect if you watched ER. At least in my opinion it is. We'll find out more about The Tornado of Life. Jay Baruch is a professor of emergency medicine at the Brown University School of Medicine. It's actually called the Alpert, I believe, School of Medicine. Um, and we'll find out um, if he's met the Alperts um, in a few seconds. But in the meantime, I want to tell you we are, as usual, sponsored by Life's First Naturals. Life'sFirstNaturals.com, the makers of both bovine colostrum and true biotics. Go to the website, see the randomized controlled trials that they have done and report on. Uh, about the benefits of those for specific things, such as um, if you're taking a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drug, even aspirin routinely, it decreases the gut effects of that um, by over 70% in their randomized controlled trials done by independent physicians. That's lifesfirstnaturals.com. Now back to the tornado of life. Um, Jay, you've got something so interesting in this book because it is really a different um, approach than one would expect um, for from an emergency room. It's basically saying there has to be a lot of empathy that at least um, in your emergency room, it isn't as much knife and gun as it is um, a lot of other things and the, the, that you characterize as the tornadoes of life. Yeah, thank you. Um, thank you for inviting me. I'm very happy to be here. You know, there are, like, I, you know, I work in a, you know, for the last, uh, I don't know, 15 years, 17 years, I've been working, I am in a, you know, we're in a level one trauma center. It is, we do see you know, the knife and gun stuff, the bad car accidents. Um, but we also see, but that's, we also see the, you know, that's not exactly what everyone comes to the emergency department with. People come in with a range of, of problems and challenges and needs. And we have to be prepared and skilled at addressing um, those problems too, because it might not be necessarily an, um, like an acute heart attack. Um, but it could be something that is truly acute and devastating to that particular person at that particular time in their lives. And then we have an obligation as, you know, as emergency physicians, as frontline providers to try to get to that. And um, a lot of that other stuff um, seems to be on the softer side of medicine, um, meaning it is the social... Uh, determinants of health that are a problem. So describe some of the, the cases, if you would, that you talk about here um, 
and uh, if you want, I'll be glad to uh, talk about it as well. I, I, you know, I will. I will. I'm happy to. I, if you don't mind, I probably will push back just a little bit in the language of like the softer side of medicine, because I, 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 I think that we. We have, we have that impression, right? I mean, what, what you just said is, I think, a prevailing understanding, even within, like, medical education, like this stuff about story and communication and and um, empathy or is really, like, the softer side, whatever soft means. Um, but it's actually absolutely core. Like, it is everything. It is as critical. Um, if, I, if, I don't, if I don't... I can be Yeah, I did I did not mean I did not mean softer side by not a side that's important. I meant that it wasn't a um bandage it up and everything's well oh, yeah, yeah, side. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um yes. that is in fact um you know, the Cleveland Clinic, the most watched YouTube of any hospital system in the country is their empathy video. So, um in fact I, I strongly believe in uh, teaching and that being a core part of what uh, medical school um, teaches or should teach and is part of our core. But go ahead and, and because you make a, a, a important case in the book for uh, changing some of the focus of medical school. Yeah, I mean, uh, and you know, and the, a lot of the focus of, of the book is 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 the fact that you know, un, unless we can be the smartest people, we can have the most, we can have the all the research, we can have all the clinical skills, procedural skills, but uh, if we get the story wrong, like the best medicine won't work on the wrong story. So, how do we get at the heart of a patient's story? And and there are so many assumptions embedded into that, even even into that statement. You know, because it's so hard for patients to oftentimes put complex experiences into words. You know, they're not, they haven't been to medical school. They might not know what is important and what is unimportant information. So they might tell us everything or they tell us very little. Um, they, um, the language that they use might be different than the language that, that we use. Um, they might not know what we're listening, what, what they might be scared to divulge embarrassing um, information or, or give us details because they're scared of what it might mean. Um, and so I address these issues um, that's oftentimes fraught with fear and uncertainty and vulnerability in many of the stories of, of, that are included in this, in this book of um, called The Training of Life. And now... Um, you talk about um, a change in what we should do as far as what we should stress in teaching in medical school. And um, another uh, area you talk about is the crowding that occurs and the constraints of the emergency room and how one has to get creative. Um, I always thought of emergency rooms as you deal quickly, as quickly as you can with the issue because there always are, especially on uh, certain times of day and week, more patients than you can handle. So talk to us about some of the creativity getting around the constraints that it's really evident in the writing in the book. 
you know, there's so many different constraints and you, you know, you mentioned so many of them, you know, it's crowding, it's lack of time. It's us seeing patients, so many patients simultaneously, you know, at the same time, we go one after another, after another, it's um, making sometimes critical decisions based on incomplete information. And there's a systemic constraints. And there's also the fact of what we're our, our own, like internal constraints, like our own limitations of compassion and empathy and so on. And, you know, and we have to be create and, and creativity in, in the, the, the way I sort of use it in the book and the role of the imagination really is, is heavily tied to sort of curiosity and trying to understand what the patient is telling us. Because oftentimes what they come in and tell us is, is not necessarily like the, the, the stem of a question looking for an answer, but there's, te- there's sharing an experience. You know, and they're trying to convey a complicated experience, and we have to try to bring as many tools to the to the task of trying to understand what they're trying to say, and not trying to just reduce what they're saying to an answer, but trying to actually get at their cheap need and respond in a meaningful way. Now, someplace in the book, and I apologize, I can't remember the patient's name, was a woman who came in with chest pain, and that isn't what um, happened to her. What was, uh, tell us that story. Sure. So this was a, a woman who, this was years and years ago, early in my career. Um, and she was someone, as I write in the book, she was very, you know, very well-dressed, very put together. I made the comment that she was the, the, the best dressed person in the, in the ER that night. And that included, um, all the staff on that, on that busy, um, Saturday night. And as she came up with a bunch of vague symptoms when there was nothing vague about this woman. And in the course of my questioning, um, they were sort of nods to chest pain and shortness of breath. And so I went in that direction. You know, I looked at the, the possible diagnoses, like what, what might be going on. And, and I did a workup that went through the night and she did not mind. She did not care. And, and by the way, by the, by the way, we should say that when someone comes in with chest pain and shortness of breath, you think of heart attack or pulmonary embolus yeah. or some of the very serious um, life-threatening exactly. conditions. So, exactly. um, and and it's almost as though she dressed up for the ER. No, well, she didn't. She was at, ended up being, you know, she was out. She came in um, because ultimately, what she came in, that wasn't the reason why she was there. I mean, she was she came in with a whole host of different complaints. And I latched on to chest pain and shortness of breath because I couldn't come up with an answer. And I figured that's the, the bad things I got to rule out. And I went for that. And ultimately, you know, instead of confronting, confronting my own uncertainty and I was, and, 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 and I was so focused on trying to find the answer, I didn't actually ask the right questions. And ultimately in the morning she told me, you know, and the reason why she came into the ER was because she was um, a victim of interpersonal violence. She was in a, a, a violent relationship, and uh, and she finally finally had enough. And she was and she didn't know how to open up and share that experience with 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 us. But she needed help, and and it was a lesson to me early on in my career. I was the youngest attending at that time, and and I didn't pay attention to my this feeling in my gut that I was that I was missing something. Um, and I wasn't actually attentive to what was between the lines, not just what she was saying. And you end this book um, with some very, what I would call an, a, a type of unusual ending. Um, there, You talk about writing stories about medicine, 
and what you learned by doing that. Share that with us because it's really profound, I think. You know, I've, <laughs> you know, I've learned so much about, um, about medicine. Interesting. When I was, uh, when I was, uh, I came to medicine as an English major, as someone who was, uh, who wanted to be a writer and wanted to be an English professor. So I looked at medicine through the lens of writing and, um, and so, you know, I always looked at medicine as sort of these complicated stories, you know, and patients with these characters and, and, and these very challenging situations. And I mean that with the greatest empathy and respect. Um, and, uh, and, I le- and I learned that, you know, like all stories, like, like all stories, are, they're deeply human. They're complicated. They're not one thing. Um, and that we have to sort of learn to think about like less let's think about less about absolutes and trying to probe these experiences and try to figure out what they're trying to tell us. And by writing, by writing, you know, I, I kind of identify myself differently on the page. You understand when you're sort of linked, letting yourself off the hook, you realize when you're sort of using language that perhaps you should be using different other types of language. You go, you find yourself going in unexpected directions and so, you know, in medicine, especially in the emergency department, when we're moving so fast, you know, writing is just—it's just an incredible opportunity to actually step back and try to interrogate your own thinking and your own emotional landscape. And the fact that sometimes there's no one right answer, but you have to come up with an answer or at least a response, and it has to be a meaningful one. And um, what it—it it seemed to me that one of the things. Um, I guess as a as a writer naturally um, that you are meaning that's where you started that writing gave you deeper insights into the medical practice than you would have had were you not writing these stories. I I think so. I, I I would I would say so. Yes. I mean, if you asked me early on in my career, I don't know how I would answer that question. And, and if anything, I think when I was early on, I would, I would bristle against the, against that statement, but over like, I've been doing this a long time now. And I, and I would say, absolutely. It has, um, it has allowed me to become a better, better position because it, it's given me, um, and a better teacher. I hope so. You know, and, and in the book, I mean, I, you didn't mention this, but you know, in the book, like I don't always come off well, you know, and I, and I come, you know, and when you talk about vulnerability, you know, I am very, I'm very forthcoming and honest with my own mishaps and my own, you know, my own lapses in judgment and my own biases. Um, and a lot of this came, a lot of these insights came to me actually through the process of, of writing and, and really, um, and really examining situations that seem kind of troubling and difficult. And the other thing that I think is very insightful in the book, um, and I don't know how other than to say this, is you're dealing with patients with COVID after the vaccine were was vaccines were available. Talk to us a little bit about that. How does, in other words, how do you deal with people who? could have prevented something but decided they didn't want to and how did that how did that it 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 would have been in uh my thought processes were i in the emergency room i would have said how stupid why'd you do it this way 
and I would have, I you know, it would have been, it would have taken me a huge amount of courage to um, treat them the same way with the same empathy you obviously did. How'd you get over that? Yeah, it was hard. Um, I'll be very honest with you. It was hard, but what ended up making it, uh, what what ended up helping me was when when I ended up talking to patients who were not vaccinated and doing it in a non-judgmental way, you realize that people didn't give you one answer. Like it wasn't like, because it was such a political, a political hotbed that we assume that it's a, a politically motivated reason or people have certain beliefs that are unreasonable or don't align with the science. But it wasn't the case. There were people who who actually got other types of vaccination, but they didn't trust the, the this particular vaccine, or they didn't have a doctor to talk to it about, or they they read things on the on, on the internet that said one thing, and they read other things that worried them. So they, it was oftentimes just no one to talk to, you know, and um, and yes, there were some people who had strong beliefs and they don't want to get vaccinated, just like people have strong beliefs about a lot of things. But there were a lot of people in the messy middle, you know, who when you talk to them, they truly wanted to have a conversation about it. They really wanted answers about like what I thought, did I get vaccinated? Why should I get vaccinated? The challenges they were facing. And it was infinitely complicated. But once you start actually having those discussions and realizing that people have individual reasons for some of the choices that they make, you end up having very different types of human conversations that are not adversarial but actually one that is centered in sort of communication and I think mutual empathy. And that probably is the key. At least I feel that um, empathy is such a key uh, in all human interactions. That is being able to put yourself in the place of the other person and understand where they are. Thank you very much. This is a uh, fascinating book written beautifully um, and uh, I think captures some of the dilemmas of medicine um, and I think the subtitle is great a doctor's journey through constraints and creativity in the ER it's by Jay Baruch B-A-J-A-Y-B-A-R-U-C-H dot com is the website uh, thank you very much, and I should remind our listeners that we are, as usual, sponsored by Life's First Naturals, lifesfirstnaturals.com. Please do go to their website, even if it's just to tell them that you appreciate this show. This has been 1118B of You, the Owner's Manual podcast. The B segments every week are wonderful guests like Dr. Baruch, who has talked to us about Tornado of Life, A Doctor's Tales of Constraints and Creativity in the ER. It's put out by the MIT Press. Um, thanks again, Dr. Baruch. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. We'll be back next week, and do tune in the Medical News of the Week, the A segment as well, a great um, set of studies this week, um, especially about the brain. We'll be back next week. Again, thank you, and thank you, Caitlin, for engineering. See you next week on the radio.